Some of my earliest and most fond memories are of riding my bicycle. My family lived in Montbello in the beginning of its development, so most areas in the community were vast with lots of land and mysterious dwellings. Every chance my brother and I would get, we would meet up with the neighborhood kids, mostly boys, and get on our bikes and pedal fast along the pathways and farmland leading up to what is now known as Green Valley Ranch. When I arrived home all sweaty and deadbeat tired, my mom would take off my shirt in the driveway, dust me off, give me a glass of water, and maybe a little snack, and off I go again to conquer the world. At the end of the day, when the sun began to set, it would be quitting time. I would say goodbye to my friends underneath the street light at the end of the block near the stop sign and ride on home with my brother in tow. Mom would put me in the tub and wash away the events of the day only for me to repeat it all the next. On one particular summer day, the itinerary was off to a common start. I had breakfast and watched my morning combination of female hero cartoons to get my blood pumping for what was about to come. My brother summoned me to the garage and we greeted our cycling companions to sort out our destinations. We checked the bicycles for signs of weakness and once everything checked out and I got the go for my mom, we were off with swift jubilation. The fear of the unknown seemed to escape us as we ventured far away from home at the speed of 35 miles per hour. I raised my face to the sky to catch the sun as it kissed my cheeks with a kind, gentle touch as if to greet me as a nurturing guardian. I loved the feeling of flying and slowly leaning back on the seat to place my legs on the handlebars, reaching as far as I could to give a relish in the moment of complete freedom. There is nothing like flying down the street and flipping my legs to the back as I balance ever so delicately on the bike seat with my stomach, hands free. I feel like a superhero moving quickly to save the naive soul or to protect the innocent creature from the evils of the day. I assume such courageous personas as She-Ra and Wonder Woman, displaying death-defying feats and tricks that would give my mother a heart attack if she were ever to witness. It is a time where I can do anything and conquer any obstacle. I relish in the belief that I am as good as the boys and there is no difference. I challenge anyone who dares to think otherwise. I don't have to prove anything. I simply am everything. As the day concludes, my brother and I arrive back home. It's not quite evening and the sun is just beginning to show signs of dimming, but we've accomplished our goal by reaching our destination at the farm where the suspected Satan worshippers are told to offer sacrifices and other creepy crawly things tend to display frightening horrors. I park my bike in the driveway and prepare for grooming. But this time around, I notice that my mother has a strange look on her face as she approaches me. Something is changing her demeanor and I can't quite tell what it is. I shrug it off as grown people problems and proceed to remove my shirt when I hear my mother in an alarming tone say, no, Renelda, wait before you do that, honey. I stare back at her confused and immediately freeze. She says, come on in the house with me and let's talk. She gestures for my hand and now I'm beginning to get nervous. I follow her inside to the house and look back at my friends as they pause silently to notice the interruption. My mom takes me into the bedroom and sits me down on the bed. She starts to hold my hand and tell me that we're going to the store today to look at some things a girl my age should start to wear. Now I'm even more confused and my heart is racing and I feel a little lightheaded because she's acting strange as if someone died. I say nervously, what is it, mama? She puts her hand on my shoulder and says, it's time to get you your first bra. All I can do is sit quietly. I'm devastated and terrified all at once. Everyone I've seen who wears a bra is different than I am and I don't want to change. I like who I am. 
I like where I am in life right now. I say to her as I start to cry, I don't want one. Do we have to? To which she replies, honey, I noticed when I took off your shirt the other day that your breasts are growing in, which is why I didn't want you to take off your shirt again in front of the boys. Things are different now. You're becoming a young woman and some things are no longer appropriate. From this day forward, you'll have to come in the house when you want to dust off or change your shirt. Do you understand? No, I don't understand. If God gave me this body, why wouldn't he want me to be happy in my own skin? Changing is not what I want. I'm happy. But clearly, by the look on my mom's face, I'm getting the bra regardless of how I feel. I put on my shoes, she grabs her purse, and we get in the car headed for the nearest department store. On the way, I look out of the window towards the sun that was just embracing me and notice that the clouds have intruded on our intimacy. What was once a day filled with sunshine and delight has now dimmed to overcast as if the sun wants to weep. We arrive at the department store and go to the girls' section where I'm poked, prodded, and fitted with this uncomfortable cloth entrapment, and the clerks keep calling it support. The straps are unsightly, and the elastic makes my skin itch. I put my shirt back on and notice the difference in how it fits. If I can see the curvature of this contraption, surely everyone else will notice. I am completely mortified and humiliated, and my mother tells me that I'll get used to it, but I just don't see how that's possible. Nevertheless, the bra is purchased and we leave the store. My mother looks proud and sad at the same time. I'm the baby in the family, so maybe she's having some realizations as well. A finality of sorts as she recognizes that this will be the last daughter she takes through this experience. I can only have empathy for her at that moment as I begin to panic at my own reality. We arrive back at home and I rush into the house and sit in the living room window staring down at the neighborhood kids that come back down to the block to hang out with my brother. Apparently word has spread quickly throughout the block and they've come to question Kenneth about the events of the evening to which he explains as best he can. I sat in the windowsill for hours just staring at the top of the stop sign underneath the street like streetlight that once gave me so much joy, which has now taken on another meaning entirely. That afternoon was the last time I rode bikes with the neighborhood kids. It was also the first time I realized that girls were different and therefore should be treated as so, or so they think. The experience was my introduction to femininity which all girls must learn, but for me, it took on a stark symbolism that life as it was had ended, and I was now to be something different. I would now be judged not by my abilities, but by my gender first. From that day forward, when I went outside, I was told that I couldn't participate in certain things simply because I was a girl. I was told that I had a place in this world, and that was to follow a man rather than stand right beside him. I was deemed the weaker sex, and therefore could not have an opinion unless otherwise asked. I had a set of responsibilities that were bestowed on me regardless of my desire for them. I was no longer everything, I was just a woman. Throughout my lifetime, this stigma has caused me to question virtually every act in my existence. The end result has been harsh defiance and a wealth of insecurity. When I was 26 years old, a woman asked me if I enjoyed being a woman, and before I could temper my words, I said, no, it's a burden.
The older I get, however, I try to challenge those stereotypes, and watching my nieces evolve, I've realized that the limitations I associated with that one piece of clothing were all self-imposed. I watch women break barriers and do things that were not expected of them every day and wonder why one of those women cannot be me. I've finally come to the conclusion that one day, it will be me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man the fellows stand or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes, the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say, it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palms of my hands, the need for my care, because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, all you women, and me.